My name is Swetha. My name is Lanshu. And my name is Sabrina. Today's podcast is about part three of Ray Bradbury's novel Fahrenheit 451, brought to you by the Bookworms. This part of the book is about how Montag discovers his new self, and the theme is freedom. I can relate to the theme of freedom because when I got a phone for the first time, I felt like I had more responsibility and that gave me more freedom to do more things by myself. A story for me that relates to this theme is when I was in a toxic friendship. Luckily, I was able to get away and take time for my mental health. Sadly, I think that relationship will be a scar in my mental state forever. Um, a story that relates to freedom is to, like, what I get to do in my free time, kind of. Like, I can I can choose what I want to do instead of, like, uh, I'm getting, like, only options. Like, if it means, like, I can do whatever I want, um, really. First, Guy tries to get away from BD and ends up killing him. And then after that, he's on the run, because, you know, murder, murder. Um, and... He meets a group of people who share the same beliefs as him. And uh, as he's with the group of people, he watches the society crumble down and that he knew. Guy starts that guy then starts his journey of spreading what he knows to other people. So a quote that I found on page 107 of the book is old Montag wanted to fly near the sun and now that he's burned his wings he wonders why on and i thought that that bd says that by the way and that means that he has like restricted freedom at the very beginning of part three what do you think sabrina um i think that means the same thing he was like so eager to do this and also this can be seen as an illusion because it relates back to a um myth about these two men who were flying with these wings made out of wax and one flew way too high and his wings melted but the other one flew low and his wings did not melt so i think by this he means like he shouldn't be trying so hard because he knows that something bad will turn up from it um, I, I kind of agree with both of you, but really it, it comes down to the fact that Montag tried to do something that was out of reach, and he ended up failing because, you know, something it's out of reach. And so it also it's also an illusion, um, like Serena said. And I really think this, like, gets on the fact that Montag tried to do something, but he failed. And the thing is, like, he doesn't know what to do. Or like, okay. He's in like a place where he's stuck and he doesn't yeah. know how to move on from that. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of saying. Okay. I think the myth's name is called um, Icarus and Daedalus. Okay. Well, that's good to know, Sabrina. Um, The next quote is, Montag, can't you run, get away? No, cried Montag helplessly. The hound, because of the hound. And this is on page 110. Yeah, really, what I think of this is that he's kind of stuck. Like, again, he's kind of stuck. 
can't do something that he needs to do. His freedom of doing that thing is restricted. And so it really relates back to being freedom. What do you think, Sabrina? I think I completely agree with what you say. It's just getting away, getting away, getting away. Yeah, um, I also agree with this. And a connection that I can make is like recent protests because people want the freedom of being treated the same as everyone else around them instead of being judged by the color of their skin. And they're restricted like Montag is in this quote. Yeah, and like it also really, I mean, in one other way, the Montag did did do something kind of wrong. I mean, he did kind of kill Beatty. But then again, it's kind of like, well, he had to because he didn't have the freedom to. This can be tied back to actually the last podcast that we did when we were talking about morality. Because again, it's subjective. Being a murderer doesn't necessarily make one a bad person. Yes, it really depends on why. And that doesn't mean that murder is um, justifiable. Just, it just means that there might be a reason behind the murder. Not that I'm saying that murder is what you should do. Um, just, you shouldn't do murder. And just, yeah. Yeah, I agree yeah, with that. Yeah, sometimes people don't have the freedom to decide whether or not they are doing the right thing or not. Yeah, in, in, in a sense, you can think of in, in two perspectives. One perspective that Montag shouldn't be able to run away and shouldn't have the freedom to run away because he kind of killed somebody. But in the other perspective, he did kind of kill somebody in like self defense, like kind of like self defense, really. Yeah. Like this. There's, yeah. A, there's a parasite in somebody's body, right? And they're trying to kill this person so that they can survive. That's pretty much what's going on with this quote. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the quote um, on page 117 that says, Police alert, wanted, fugitive in city, has committed murder and crime against the state. And um, another thing that makes me kind of question, like, Guy's morality is on another quote on page 117, and this is one of his thoughts. He says, you must remember, burn them or they'll burn you. And he thought, and um, uh, what do you think, Kamanshu? Well, this is kind of like this scenario. That quote reminds me of like do or um, to win this race, you have to um, you have to make other people lose. And so he's like, he has to to win, basic to win, meaning like to escape. He has to burn them before they get to him. It's kind of like um, the. The fittest will survive is kind of what this talks about. What do you think, Sabrina? Well, first of all, I think that this is a very fun play on words. I mean, burn? I just enjoyed that little feature of this quote. But yeah, Guy Montag knows that he is the top. But since he's stepped down from that pedestal ever since he did this thing, he is trying to just get by at this point there is no like right and wrong at this point in time it's just trying the pure well, i feel like it's just do whatever you have to do to survive do you agree with this Kata? 
Um, I kind of agree with it. I think it's more of a fact, like, some people are against him, and so in order for Guy to, like, stop that, he needs to almost eliminate them, so, and do you think that's a good way of going at it? Like, do you think Guy Montag is going at the situation with the right mindset? That's what I was going to ask, but you stole the meat to it. But I honestly think it it depends on, I mean, really, to keep yourself alive. That's kind of what you have to do. Um, I think, oh, excuse me. No, I finished. You can go. Oh. I think that he's doing the right thing because in academics today, in many, like, colleges, it's very competitive to get a job, to go to college. And you have to step on other people if you want to get what you want to get at this point. Yes, it's not, it's not like... You have um, to use the people, you have to use their arms as a ladder. Yes. And it's kind of just a basic fact of life nowadays. And I'm assuming that's what would happen in their society too because it's happening today. Okay, so what I'm kind of hearing you guys say is that Aside from good morals, you need to be able to provide for your own self. And if that includes using other people, that's okay? Um, to a certain extent. On, to a cer- yeah, to a certain extent. I mean, if, you, if you're already good and then you start, like, just want more, that gets to a point of, like, why? Why do you want to do that? Okay, to but the like, point I'm, where it's unnecessary. Yeah. But, like, then there's pose like the question that pose is being posed that like why shouldn't you keep doing it because you've already done it like why shouldn't you keep doing it on this book proves that life is like unforgiving it's always tied back to this real world that we live in today life out here is unforgiving it destroys us it tears us up it chews us and spits us back out much like the society and all these um interactions that guys having in this book yeah yeah and like i maybe we should um tie things back to freedom the theme for today and so like a quote with freedom um is is like on page 158 it says yes a time to keep silence and a time to speak yes all that what do you think what that like what that saying um Swetha? Well, I think it really closes the book because this is on the last page and it means that Guy is finally getting the freedom that he thinks he deserves. And um, before this, Sabrina, you were talking about how life isn't fair. And I guess when we were little, we all learned that we um, always have like happy endings and the freedom that we always want. But in this book, we're taught that that isn't all true. Yes, it is a dose of reality, like a punch in the face saying, this is how it is. Hey, like, I have, I have a question about this. Like, do you, what do you think, do you think this going to be like, because people are dumb in their society, no offense society, but people are kind of dumb. Do you think there's going to be like another oppression kind of wave? Kind of like how like the new government that's going to form is bound to form what do you think it's going to be like and do you think well there will be ad- adequate freedom but not too not too liberal where things just get out of hand like anarchy it's possible but not plausible 
Yeah, I agree with Sabrina. It is possible, but it doesn't seem like a reality that is bound to happen after their society just went down in ruins. But what's not bound to happen? The fact that they might get freedoms or the fact that it might turn like full anarchy. Or anarchy. Um, it's more like the fact that they will get better. They may rebuild the society, but I have a feeling that it may stay the exact same. Or maybe have slightly different changes that don't exactly affect the overall society. So, Sabrina, do you agree with what Swetha is saying? And if you do agree, then why do you think, why do you think, essentially, why do you think that it's not so foolish? Uh, sorry, I couldn't hear that. Can you say it again? So, like, you heard what Swetha said, the fact that society is um, not going to change, um, but, like, do you agree with Swetha or not? And if you do, why why do you agree? Like, essentially, why oh, do you think that? I do agree because, again, this book is just proof that nothing all nothing really ends in a good ending. There is always something that is either going to happen after the ending or just nothing will happen at all. There will be no change. And this kind of goes against what the book is trying to say, that change is possible. But change, but it also proves that change isn't possible. This book is an oxymoron. Um, what do you think about that, you guys? So, you said, like, an oxymoron is, if I, correct me if I'm wrong, but an oxymoron is basically, like, what it is, but, like, you're saying it, like, opposite, like, that sofa is pretty ugly, that means that would be an oxymoron. Not like that, but, like, oh, She's so pretty, but she's so ugly. Like, you contradict what you just said. Like, that's what I was Kind of like, oh, it's kind of like both, but it's also that. Yeah. So, I think what I think, it is kind of an oxymoron. Like, yeah, change should happen. Like, it's kind of happening, like, the war and stuff. But, will, but then again, will it return to the normal state? Like, quote-unquote normal state or will it actually change change and i think it might change change for a little while and then things start to go downhill and then you got the cycle again yeah um i agree with that and to kind of add i have a question if would the book still be considered an oxymoron if like bradbury wasn't taking a side because he does contradict the two ideas but would it be still be considered an oxymoron if he didn't take any sides? Mm. Hmm. Well, it kind of could it could still be considered one because it doesn't matter necessarily which side. Like, eh, I don't know on that one. It could be both. No, I think because of like the pessimistic nature of how the protagonist in this book like works i just don't think it would say like that okay yeah i, I guess montag is kind of built on the beliefs that maybe bradbury himself had so um him not choosing a side could really change the book so i guess i guess that that would also be true okay so um bradbury uses a lot of literary elements throughout his whole book and one um literary element that i noticed is um metaphors and an example of this is on page 112 
He says the green bullet in which Faber's voice whispered and cried fell to the sidewalk. What do you think about the metaphors that Bradbury uses, Hamanshu? Like, this metaphor is not clear cut. Like, you can't even tell if it's a metaphor or not, to be honest. Like, I still don't get if, if it's fully a metaphor because it's not in traditional metaphor fashion where the, the sun was red or the sun looked like a caterpillar. It's not like that was, that was a simile, but like, it's not clear cut. And so I think it gets kind of confusing to me, at least. Okay. Um, I can see that. Um, do you think that um, metaphors in this book make it confusing for you as a reader, Sabrina? No, I think it actually adds um, more emotion to this book. It really lets the reader know how this character is feeling, what they are doing, what, they, what they're planning to do. It just brings up like this new thing. Now, yes, these metaphors can be hard to understand, but... If, if it were to be a green bullet, it would probably be, like, very, like, withered and rusty, you know? And honestly, I'm not agreeing. I, I would contradict that. I, if it was, like, a green bullet, I would think it's, like, a little capsule thing, like, pointy end and, like, a flat, like, other end. And then, like, it's kind of um, I would agree with kind of, like, both of you. Um, I, the shape... I would agree with Himanshu, and the texture and how it would look, I would agree with Sabrina. And to kind of add on to that, Bradbury does reference the green bullet um, in Guy's ear a lot throughout the book, and it do- the metaphor does keep changing throughout, so um, it does give it more of a context, the metaphors in general, to the book and what um it's referencing okay so um uh, there is this personification piece the seashell hum in his ear and so what do you think that like shows and if that really adds the text or really um you know is detrimental to how we um perceive it can you say that one more time Hamanchu? i couldn't hear you properly In, in the book, or in part three, it says it has a personification, and that that is um, the seashell hummed in his ear on page one eighteen. And do you like? Do you think this personification piece really adds the text, or do you think it really is detrimental to it? Um, I think that it does add to it because usually any figurative language used adds more context into the situation of the text and in this example that fits perfectly i agree with suetha it just adds this like it adds a level of like soul to the sentence and to the action that is happening at the moment so what do you think Machu? yeah i i I like this book too and uh or not book i mean i i agree with you guys because um it really does, it makes this more lively and less boring to read. Yeah. So, uh. Thank you for listening to the Bookworm Podcast for today um, about part three of the novel Fahrenheit 451 by Ray Bradbury. Um, and the theme was freedom. And this is the Bookworm signing off.